Once again, I am going to try to record a brief episode. Hopefully it's brief and um, hopefully the doggo lets me do it without interruption. Um, she seems to be in a very playful mood while I am more in, it's still morning, leave me alone mood. Um, but, uh, so we'll see how that goes, but I wanted to, uh, share something that happened that is yet another instance of some kind of divine unfolding to my, my journey out to, uh, recover desert land. So, for many months now, I've been collecting seeds from all manner of produce that I consume. And I just, the one thing, the one exception is avocados. There's just so many avocados that I do throw them in the trash because I figure if they go into a landfill, maybe there will be trees in the landfill someday. <laughs> I don't know if it really is going to work that way, but I just can't handle all the avocado seeds. And where I'm going, the Haas avocado doesn't really grow. So um, I'm not taking those. But I have... <coughs> See, there she goes. Hi, doggo. <laughs> She's so cute when she does it. No. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a good girl? You are. Yes, it's okay. No. Hey. She doesn't like the spray bottle. Hey, come on. <laughs> she's wagging while she's she's like play with me or something we're going to a dog park later and so we just got back from the cafe as well so okay anyway i'm just going to try to get through this but now you've met doggo her name is dogon i think which is an african tribe <laughs> ow hey no she just nip nipped me it's out of control she had a feeling this would happen. She hasn't really acted like this before. She's done it a little bit, but not quite this bad. Okay, I'm going to have to pause this. Okay, let's try that again. It turns out Doggo was trying to let me know that she had to go to the bathroom. By running and jumping and playing all over the house and nipping at me and barking and wagging. So I'm still learning her language. It's only been, gosh, two weeks since I've had her, I think. Yesterday we went on our second hike. I host uh, hikes all the way to a waterfall every other week, but the Meetup app has been duplicating my events for some reason. And so it ended up happening every week for the last mm, three or four weeks. So we've <laughs> gone every week. Um, actually, yesterday was totally neat because we met this amazing part wolf, part wolf, part Malinois, which is what she is. She's a Malinois, some kind of mix, probably has a little husky because of her white eyes. But this boy dog was just stunning. I think he's the most beautiful dog I've ever seen. He had long hair and his face was, his whole head was entirely black, which is a Malinois, Malinois, Malinois trait. <laughs> and, um, he had like the golden um, body and then the black feet and oh God, he was just beautiful. And they're about the same age. And I actually got the, um, I texted the, I got the number of the guy, the owner, because he was, um, he hadn't uh, neutered the dog and he was going to breed the dog in like six months. And I thought, 
well, maybe that might be a good puppy to get is a, you know, like a boy puppy. So getting two, two dogs is kind of what I would really like to have. But, um, anyway, so that was my little side trip, um, in dog care. And I think it's kind of fine just to not edit this because it's again, just kind of raw and it's, it is what it is. And there's nothing wrong with that. So, but I wanted to tell you about something that happened today that was basically really demonstrative of the fact, the, the fact, the, the theory, the observation that some kind of divine flow is happening in my, in my experience. Um, it's pretty profound. So I had been collecting all these seeds and I have like boxes of, of seeds. I, whenever I eat something that's particularly delicious or, or unusual for many, many months, I've been just kind of, in fact, I think it's been for years now. I think it's been since I moved into this place where I've been living for the last almost three years. Um, this December 15th will be a three-year Delta. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I've got like this box filled with packages of different seeds of all different kinds of things. And I tend to, um, if I don't have time or I'm feeling lazy, I don't wrap them right away. Hey, no. Um, she's going for the cat food. Uh, <laughs> and then um, eventually I'll label them and wrap them in paper, you know. And so I had thought, well, I want to try growing them on my land or, you know, someday. And then I ended up getting all this land and then, you know, I'm, I'm going to take them out there and try stuff with them. But then, whoa, she just like out of nowhere just flipped out and jumped off her poof. I don't know what's up with her. Anyway, um, so I've got all these seeds and everything, and it's like totally a polyculture, right? Because it's just all manner of things. And then I got this book, Sowing Seeds in the Desert by Masanobu Fukuoka. And I haven't read The One Straw Revolution, um, but I got this book because it's directly related to what I'm going to do, and I figured I can learn from him. I think I mentioned this in a previous episode. But what he's talking about, because I skipped around to the parts that seemed really relevant to what I want to learn. Um, he's talking about literally what I've done. He, he took like just all manner of seeds and mass spread them all over the desert. And he's just hoping some stick essentially. And one thing that I definitely learned from what he's writing about is to include seeds for like certain things like legumes, um, certain varieties I'm sure that I can find you know the correct varieties for where I'm going particularly um but yeah he's like and he's basically just making seed bombs and he's using herbs in the clay mixture as well that protect against insects so I'm fascinated because I mean I've taught workshops on seed bombs before but um I'm fascinated about this because I intuitively was doing what I would later discover is a method of regreening the desert naturally with less resources. And this is blowing my mind because this is the same thing that happened to me when I moved into this location as well, when I just started intuitively, automatically gathering extra supplies, like buying extra cans of food and, and such. And I mentioned that, I think, in a previous episode as well. And then, of course, then these, you know, this fake global pandemic hit and the world was locked down illegally and you know, it turned out that having extra stuff was probably a good idea. And with all the ports, well, with the port of Los Angeles, let's just stick to what I know, being so backed up that there are big ships sitting offshore. And, and these are the same people that are making this happen. 
that are claiming that there's a climate crisis, um, the same people that are, you know, idling 38, you know, motor, motor vehicles, um, combustion fuel engines, it, you know, to go to a, to literally to drive to a climate summit, um, you know, this current administration and all those people, um, it's just, you know, for those of you who know that there is no, you know, that it's, there's literally no science to support the idea that, you know, carbon is related to global climate change or that it's human caused. Um, that's what the, one of the world's foremost climatologists said. And, uh, that was all I needed to hear. <laughs> um, then you realize you can look at the behavior of these politicians and these corrupt people and, you know, it's pretty obvious that they're not too concerned about any kind of climate crisis, you know. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go too far into naming names. But anyway, um, it's, it's you know, I, I can see what they're kind of doing. And they did the same thing to the Hopi that they're doing now to the world. They're just systematically eradicating. They're trying to destroy and take over. And they've done it with everybody. I mean, that's my, my theory about like, you know, so-called margin, so-called, um, what do you call it? Uh, minorities, which I don't really believe they're actually minorities. Um, but that they're targeted because, you know, like for instance, um, African culture is the mother of civilization. It's like the ancient, the, you know, the oldest, some of the oldest, um, human culture. And it's, you know, like stood the test of surviving millennia, you know, in harmony, look at the Egyptians. And if you know, real Egyptian history, and so it's like, you know, minorities are being targeted, you know, we, we, it's like a seeker and destroy, if you really understand what's going on. And that's what my book exposes, uh, zombie permaculture. If you haven't heard of it, or um, want to learn more about that, you can go to zombiepermaculture.com And you can actually pre order a signed copy if you would like, and that would support my efforts in publishing. And then um, you can also go to my YouTube channel for access to um content like interviews and and such like that but you can also the best way to do it is just go straight to the website um because you can get all that content on un, un um abridged um if you have that free uh, access but anyway that's what the book is exposing and i started that in 2009 and and uh, had a theory and wanted to had a thesis and wrote it all out and then wanted to really um see if there was any evidence for it and i found so much evidence that it it actually scared me um to the point where i stopped writing for 3 years um because my book is so i, I like i knew i was onto something but i didn't know i was onto something like i was really onto something big <laughs> and then all this that's been happening the last year and a half it's just further confirmation of what i found what i had theorized basically. Um, but anyway, so yeah, apparently I'm doing the right thing to go and regreen my desert. And I'm so excited because <laughs> this guy succeeded. I mean, he did it in Japan and Japan already has fertile soil, but he also was asked by the Indian government and different, um, groups to like go and teach them how to do it. Um, and, and it was successful there. And already, I mean, I've talked about this before where, I use the kind of example, the microcosmic example of going on the walk and the big planter with all the big trees on it um, up my street, where when it did rain that one day, we had one day of rain like three weeks ago. <laughs> and the rivulets will come downhill, of course, and then the existing layer of needles, it's cedar needles, will like kind of wash down 
And so you'll have this like a little bit bigger than a dinner plate, maybe two dinner plate size of this wash that has exposed the bare soil. But then at a certain point, those needles will sort of stop. And maybe it's because of the presence of little rocks, you know, or just the sheer weight of its own, of the material itself kind of just building up and, and creating a clog. And the water will still pass through that, but it will slow down a little bit. And you'll see this like little basin. And then you'll see a bunch of silt uphill of that. And that is where I can place seeds on my land is exactly that in a macrocosm because I have a wash. I have a really significant wash through my property. And, you know, I looked and looked and looked for six months for property and I almost I, I pretty much never found anything with a wash on it. And I kept trying to find it. And it was always frustrating because I had this wistful feeling because I would like you know, do these, I would look at the, at the, you know, listing photos and inevitably you'd see the properties around it. And it was always that it was the the property right next to the one with the wash, if it ever had a wash nearby. And it was just like, oh, even in the area where I purchased land, um, I saw a few other properties and it was like that. It was just like the one with the wash wasn't for sale, but this one, I got one with a nice big wash through it, which means I can catch and store groundwater. And I don't, when I say groundwater, I don't mean like the aquifer water. I mean water flowing over the top of the land. And there's going to be a lot of it. And um, I'm going to be able to capture that as well as from my roof. So I can put seeds though. <laughs> I can put seeds in the like upper, the uphill side of like a, a row of rocks. So I'll actually create those like little um, kind of like a check dam a little bit and I'll just have a row of a single layer of like rocks maybe like six inches or nine inches in diameter and then the silt will build up on the up, upper upstream side of that and I'll put seeds in the in there and just see what sticks and I can use the irrigation I can use the water that I pull out of there with the trash pump to irrigate um, but I'm going to use ancient irrigation so I'm not going to be like you know spraying water on or you know even drip irrigation is less efficient than what I'm going to do so um, it, it's just awesome and I'm so tickled that this that this like what I did intuitively was like leading me towards what this book is telling me that I should do and he had a hard time finding seeds at first and luckily he got the word out by writing and then he got donations of seeds and was able to carry forward work and make a difference. So <laughs> it's like, I have the seeds, you know, um, but it also it inspires me because it means that every seed I collect does have a place and it does matter. And that whatever the heck I've been doing intuitively this whole time, there was a reason for it. And it's not a lost cause. Do you see what I'm saying? So that's that. It was a delightful little thing that happened that I noticed this morning because I went to the cafe and started reading in this book and, you know, just discovered, oh, this is what a, a master is saying to do. And I'm already on my way. Yay. It's just so exciting. I'm, I'm pretty thrilled, right? Really. And I feel, I just feel happy, you know, that there's somewhere to put these seeds because I really, really feel bad about throwing seeds away. For instance, there's a I think it's called a Chinoya cactus or a Cherimoya fruit or something. I don't know. I don't remember. You guys probably know what I'm talking about. But I bought it because it was um, listed and I'd never tried it before and it looked interesting. So I bought it. And then um, I didn't know how to eat it because it just looked really hard and maybe I should have cut into it. But when I looked at it, I saw that it was actually sprouting. 
Because sometimes fruits will do that. They'll actually sprout inside themselves. <laughs> I just found a mango that did that, actually, which is really amazing. It's almost like the seeds that I'm getting, the plant, the food that I'm getting is t is like it knows that I'm going out there and I'm going to – they have a chance. And, like, I put this turnip – I think it was either a rutabaga. I think it's a rutabaga, not a turnip. But I put it uh, – it was in my fridge. And you know how things will sprout in your fridge, too, um, so the carrots and stuff like that. Well, this um, – this was sprouting and I just felt so bad. And, you know, once it goes to starts to bolt, right, it's sort of like sprouting, um, it's it's not as good to eat. And I thought, well, the poor thing, I mean, it's lived this long. It's still alive. It was harvested and literally is still alive somehow and it's growing in my fridge. So I went and put it in the, you know, one of the planting beds I have outside and it just, oh, it just was like, yes, another chance at life, you know. And it <laughs> has this big green, like lovely set of leaves now. And it's exciting to watch. I just... To me, it's just fill. It fills me with joy to see these kinds of things um, happen, and I, I'm just so excited. So, anyway, that's that. And then I do want to update you on the survey. So I got my survey finally yesterday. The guy, the surveyor I'd hired, um, he did. Uh, I guess he emailed me, but then I got a call from him, and it's like Saturday evening, like 5 p.m. You know my time. Um, or maybe 6 p.m. And I get a call from the guy and he's like, by this point, he's like almost, I think, three weeks late in his deliverables. And I've had to ask him like three times, you know, I'm just checking in, you know, you said you'd have this to me last Monday and it's now been a week later. And I'm just wondering, you know, when to expect this, you know, I'm trying to be polite and professional and everything. And he, he'll, he'll, like, he'll, he would say like three times, like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll get it to you um, this Monday. And then nothing and then had to, you know, so it's just like pretty unprofessional on his part and very, very poor communication, like lack of communication, essentially. Um, and so, you know, I mean, as a professional myself, I would always let my clients know if I'm going to be late or if I miss something, I'll immediately like let them know I'm so sorry. And, you know, here's, you know, here's some new times. Like, you know, that's just to me, like how you conduct business. Right. But this guy was just kind of letting me sit there with no communication and he kept missing deadlines that he himself set. So I was just putting up with it and, you know, dealing with it and being polite and checking in every now and again. And so then I get this phone call last night and he's, he's telling me, he's, he said, I've sent you everything and, you know, I'd like you, to, I'd like you to pay now. And I'm like, uh, you know, I'm not in my office. I mean, we, I, I can take care of that on Monday and he's just, you know, he's like, well, you know, I, I took today, you know, I took today off or took, took, I was going to take today off, but now I went and did it. And I just kind of like, was like, really? He, the guy had the gall to, you know, send the deliverables like three weeks late and then calls me on a Saturday night to get me to pay immediately for him finally doing his job. It's, it, I was just kind of like really taken aback by that. So I looked on Yelp. He's not on Yelp, but he is on Google. And so I wrote a Google review just saying that because it, you know, it's otherwise I just feel like kind of pissed, <laughs> but it's pretty rude. It's pretty disrespectful and like poor, um, poor conduct, I think. And, you know, so I'm just going to like take care of it on Monday morning and pay him the remainder and then be done with that. But I was just really startled that he actually thinks that it's okay for him to demand that I immediately pay him on Saturday night, you know, because he's ready to be paid when he didn't do what he said he was going to do for weeks. 
I'm sure you know kind of what I mean. There's people like that in the world and they always will be there. And, you know, I don't know that there's any one right way of dealing with them, but this is a solution that I've found that um, I consider to be a form of self-care when, um, you know, a business just conducts itself so poorly that, you know, that's what tips are for and that's what reviews are for. So I use them. Um, So anyway, I've got my um, documents and I have a special document that I paid extra for that I'm going to use and put to use for in a very special way for a very special purpose and it's going to be awesome um and i'll talk about that more once it's um either finalized or in process i'm not sure yet but the other thing that i'll talk about during this um episode is the rv itself i have been trying out all these different treats on the dog and one of the treats that i found was a chew that's infused with like dog calming herbs. Actually, they're human grade dog. They're human grade herbs that are okay for dogs. Things like ashwagandha and and that kind of stuff. And <clears throat> excuse me. So I had her on her stake out in the yard, so she had plenty of room to roam around. But I gave her one of those chews, and I did stay. I started outside the RV just to also help her deal with it because she's been having weird separation anxiety around the RV for some reason lately. And I was able to get all of the shatterproofing film on all of the exterior windows of the RV. I did go up on the roof and I got little fiberglass in my arms and my shirt (laughs) because I had to lay down on the top of the RV and like hang out over the loft window. It's this huge window. It's like five and a half feet long or wide rather, and about maybe, maybe 18 inches, you know, tall. And so I'm like hanging upside down, <laughs> gave myself a headache, I realized when I stood up, but I got the film on there, which is easier than I thought it would be, um, because of the soapy water technique. And the whole thing went a lot easier than I expected it to, to go. And I'm very pleased with that. I know I've mentioned that that's typically what happens, but it's like hard to train my mind, I guess. Maybe you can relate to this. It's hard to get the mind conditioned to the new way of like trusting and believing things are going to work out and it's okay because we're in this super toxic world uh, environment that that they have created, the ones that are carrying out the mess that we're all dealing with right now, um, where we're just bombarded with negativity and fear-based, fear-mongering and the whole thing. So it's, it is, I understand why it's hard. It's not natural to, for it to be this hard, but I, you know, it's still, it's, it's a work to do as I'm sure, you know. Um, so, but yeah, I just, I went and did it and it got done beautifully, easily. Um, I had to throw away one piece of the film because it got some like it looked like hay, but it wasn't hay. It was probably dried grass that got stuck on the sticky side, you know, and once it's on there, it's like, okay, it's going to be a bubble forever. (laughs) Um, but other than that, there's like a few tiny little things that you can see will never, you know, there's like a bubble there, but overall it's pretty good. And I'm going to call it because it was a lot of work and I'm not going for perfection as I've mentioned. And then I tried to start on the plexiglass window and I realized that cutting plexiglass takes forever because I'm, you know, I have, I bought the tool and I measured the window and, um, I'm just sitting there like going over it and going over it with a two, using a two by four as a straight edge. And there's got to be a better way to quote David Cross, um, about the squiggle, uh, his bit about a square bagel. 
Um, but yeah, so I basically think what's going to have to happen is I'm going to have to sit there and just go over it and go over it and go over it and keep going until finally it's breakable. And then I have to do it again in the other direction. <laughs> so yay. But anyway, I got the exterior windows done and that's awesome. And then next I'll have to basically um, prep the inside of the RV to do all the interior windows. There's two different types of product I got for that. And the one I'm going to return because it doesn't have it, it, you know, it probably now that I I'm looking at the way that the other product, the exterior product worked, it probably does use soapy water, but no instructions came with it at all. And when I wrote to the headquarters, they didn't give me instructions either. Actually the instructions they gave me were to use double-sided tape. I should just return that stuff. I shouldn't even try, but I'm curious to see that maybe they didn't know what Maybe they just like didn't understand what I was saying. Well, that happens a lot for some reason um, to me. <laughs> but uh, I, I can only assume that's the only way you're supposed to do it is to stick it on with uh, soapy water. But I did buy another product that's it's known for being really clear. And I'll probably just use that product. It's really nice um, product. It had a lot of good reviews. So I'll probably just use that and then return the other film. Um but that's going to be a lot of prep work, just like with painting, you know, I'll have to block off all the, it, you know, the walls underneath it along the windowsill. And I might as well really try to block off everything, all the windows in the loft, because I need to do, I need to spray, um, I need to paint in there up in the loft. And I'm going to use a sprayer that I bought for that. And those are kind of the big things I need to do. And then I bought another tub of this new product for sealing the shower. Cause I just wasn't really feeling super confident about the like can of, you know, the cans of spray sealant. I'm still going to use that on the shower pan and use up the product, but I have this other, this additional tub that you would actually like roll on with a paint roller. And I'm going to do that um, as a final layer. And hopefully that will give me what I'm looking for, which is a, a seal, you know, a really good seal. I kind of want to paint um, in there before I do that though, because the wall that I insulated with the ceramic above the tiles is black and it would be kind of lazy to just leave it like that. So I kind of like to do this, the, the white spray, you know, spray the paint in there. So I'll probably do that. The, the decision that I'm going to have to make, and I think it would be easier just to, well, the decision I have to make is to there's the top part of the tile is it's got this jagged, not jagged, but it's, it's like, you know, Chevron shaped, um, because they're interlocking and I didn't cut them flat and I didn't make them go all the way up, um, to where that little bar is. That would be another option on the far wall to do that. But on the, uh, you know, I guess the driver's side wall, I would have to use a lot more tile and go all the way at the top. And that's already, I've already put down some layers of waterproofing and, I don't know if I want to do all that. Maybe I should, but the other option would be just to like create a, a straight line with, I don't know how, maybe just with like the masking and then just, you know, paint those exposed walls white and then just seal over everything. So those are the main things. Um, the closet is beautiful. Uh, the It's insulated. It's papered. The exterior door looks really good. I decided on a whim to do a little bit of the tropical paper paneling on just one of the panels to cover up a paint chip and it looks so cool. And then the two drawers look great. They are the natural wood trim and the tropical paper. And then the nook is 
papered and there's a shelf in there and I've got all my pillows and cushions in there and it looks really great and it's so comfortable. I sat in there and it's just really comfortable. Thank God. I was just guessing at what, it, what I would need to approximate what I do with the chase lounge. And it's even more comfortable than the chase lounge. Yay. Um, and I've decided to go uh, to not put the cubby that came with the RV. When I say it came with the RV, that's kind of not accurate. It was in the RV when I bought it, but it doesn't. It didn't come with the RV. Somebody screwed it into the wall. I don't think I'm going to use it because it's big and bulky. And I have an existing wood box that I use for my laptop and it fits it perfectly, plus a bunch of clipboards and my manuscript of my book. And those are really the main things that I need um, to have around my workspace. So I think I'm just going to mount that box on the wall and call it good. And just, you know, it's a lot less, it's a lot smaller profile and I just don't need a big door. I don't need it to be all fancy like that. So I'm just going to probably use what I have now, which means I'll wait until I am actually you know, closer to moving before I take it down because I'm currently using it. So that's that. And I have taken several days off from working on it. And I've also taken, this is the third day I'm taking off of the NaNoWriMo, which is um, on some, on a certain level, terrible. Um, but I'm also realistic and not a perfectionist. So when I and probably many people like are like this when there's this huge standard and it's rigid and you have to write every day or you're failing, it becomes a chore and it's no longer fun. And I think it's important to remember that it's not an assignment. It's this is not work. It's for fun and it's a creative project and the creativity comes in waves and it's not a big deal. There's nobody standing over me going, you know, there's no editor, like, when are you going to get this done? Um, so the main reason though, is because my eyes were feeling fatigued from all the computer use and screen time that I've overburdened them with. And I just really wanted to have just a day where I wasn't on my computer and then just trying to use less of my phone and in terms of staring at the screen. So, so that's pretty much it. Um, things are, kind of going along as usual and um the dog is behaving better and yeah so thank you for listening and i will keep you updated in a future episode and i hope you have a great rest of your weekend